Hello, my name is Anoa Changa. Greetings, everybody. Welcome to this edition of The Way with Anoa. It's a special edition because it's International Women's Day. Yay. And what better way to spend your evening on International Women's Day than with moi, the international woman of mystery. And uh, yeah, I know I'm feeling myself today for real, though. It's also um, the International Women's Strike took place Bangladesh. I saw pictures from Ireland. Uh, there was rallies in Rio de Janeiro. Of course, there were two rallies actually that took place today in New York. Um, there are rallies that took place in other places um, across the, the country. Um, as well, like I said, it was a global it was a global event. International Women's Strike took place in fifty five countries. Last last count I saw. Um, check out. I have a pretty good podcast. I talk. I talk a little bit for like the first twenty five minutes about international strike. The, some of the, 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 you know, the hubbub, the back and forth about whether or not, um, this was a day for privileged women. Also wrote a piece earlier this week in the Progressive Army blog. Um, there's actually, we have, we have, I think, another piece, um, that was done as well, maybe about a week and a half ago. Um, so there are two pieces in Progressive Army. Progressive Army has a thread actually, uh, with our pieces because, you know, also, you know, you got to go back to, to Wendy Muse's piece, um, about kind of the women's march and some of the issues from there too, to look at the greater context of the day and of the issues. So what was really cool, cause I'll start off on a high note. What was really cool is I got a frantic text message from my daughter this morning who was late for school, who I had to drive to school. Then I had to go pick up her friend and her friend's little brother and drop them all off at school, which was fine. I worked from home, so it was no big deal. But, um, I get a text message from Nayla about an hour into the school day. She's like, oh my God, I know you already have your show planned out for tonight, but you have to talk about International Women's Day. You know, it's International Women's Day, right? You have to talk about the, the strike. You have to show, you, know, you, have to, you have to highlight what's going on. And I was like, yeah, so here's the thing. Mom does news commentary, you know, analysis, et cetera, et cetera, like pretty regularly these days. That's what I'm doing. I'm trying to build a brand, you know, build, build, build out my voice and platform. So it was so funny because I try and get my daughter to read some of my pieces to get her feedback. Cause like I, if any of you saw my poem about uncle Ben's cabin, she's really actually the, the, the budding writer in the family. She's the poet and stuff. She's very creative. So I try and get her input and she cares about a lot of issues. She was like, no, I wasn't really interested, but um, I'll go back and read it. Now. <laughs> so it was funny, but what was very cool is she sent me a picture um, that was, a, a, someone put up a post-it note. So one of the other kids at school put up a post-it note about today being women's, you know, women's day and celebrating women and, you know, being woke and how important it is. And if you aren't woke, then to basically help awaken others. And I thought it was really cute. Um, I, I love to see the, you know, the kids are all into the Snapchat and stuff. So they're always snapping stuff to each other. Nayla actually got to stay home during the day without immigrant, um, one of her friends, I have mentioned this before, snapped to everyone the um she snapped to everyone the the the, the flyer about the day without immigrants. And um they was like, Mom, mom, mom. And I said, I said, What? I said, How do you know about that? But they so so apparently the kids, at least at Nayla School, probably kids elsewhere, are snap using Snapchat to to quickly send messages and information about rallies and organizing. So shout out to all the parents out there with awesome shout out to mamas, dads to all awesome people are out there who are, are raising these like super woke, awesome kids. Um, and I hate, you know, go back to the interview I had with Chuck Modiano last week. Woke is so, it's so cliche. It's so easy to use, but, um, but you know what I mean? But I really, like I said, this post note, when she showed it to me, I thought it was the cutest thing. And it made, even though, again, she went to school, um, couldn't miss any days. And I still had to work because other things that happened. Seeing things like this during, throughout the day, I mean, you know, different posts. Um, one thing I tried to do today was share information. And I'll get to that real quick in a moment. But, but you know, there is a lot, like I said, a lot of conversation because a lot of people can't can't just not strike. 
And we say it's because of privilege, the only privileged people here in America can strike. But really what it is, is we don't have the same sense of one urgency as a people, as people do in other countries. I'm looking at women in Bangladesh. Bangladesh is not a rich country. I saw pictures tonight from Poland and Ireland and all these other places. And yes, these are much smaller countries and have very different populations. But what I'm saying, what I'm getting at the core is we have women globally and historically when you're talking about labor strikes, because when we're talking about strikes, that's what we're talking about, right? When we're talking about teacher strikes, labor strikes, we're talking about, you know, uh, workers striking to, to, to send a message to management and to demand better. We're talking about working class people. We're talking about, in some cases, people at the margins. We look at 5 to 15. So one of the points, and I'm going to be joined by Stacey Hopkins a little, little bit. Um, one of the points though, that Stacey made, which is a very good point, is that the difference also is, in at least in an American context, there's been some organization specifically that is somehow working or advocating for those group of people. When we have these decentralized efforts like this, Okay, some people may be covered by unions. There were some unions, 515, and other folks had actions and stuff today as well. So some folks may be covered by union activity and union groups, while other folks are just out on their own. So they either have to, you know, call out or use their sick leave or something like that. So the man, the, the, even though the means and the, well, even though the intent, right, and the underlying there's such great language about, you know, creating a feminism of 99% and really addressing all these issues and stuff, but is is the lack of structure right for some of this movement progressive wise is there a disconnect between um those who are active engaged progressively as well as those who are in our communities in our neighborhoods people who could most benefit from this wonderful energy and organizing i mean there was a really great piece earlier i think it was in common dreams maybe um and basically that was what it said it said you know this whole thing about privilege, we have women who aren't really leveraging their voices or their bodies or their work in any other way except to criticize and critique the work and options of others, right? That, that's what we're seeing. Now, I'm not talking about people who are on social media or people personally. I'm talking about when we've seen these different writers criticizing these efforts. And not to say there isn't room for valid critique. There's always room for valid critique. You know, there's valid critique of even like Martin Luther King, for example, right? So... What I do think, though, that is valid that I that I that was pointed out. Um, I can't remember who pointed out, you know, earlier in our PA Slack, but but the fact that people are that we need to have not just a mass movement. It's great that we have all these different mass movements. We need to have people who are actually organizing in the spaces where the working class that we're trying to look out for and protect actually exists. We need to be meeting people, you know, in their neighborhoods, in their communities you know, to the extent you can go to their job sites and stuff, right? You know, we need to be engaging people constantly all the time and not just when it's time to get somebody to come vote. So, so this, 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 so this has been a very interesting, but it's good, right? You know, it's good that these conversations are happening because we got to flush all this stuff out. We can't just be, oh, resist Trump, resist Trump, resist Trump. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, whatever, whatever. We got to have these fundamental conversations that get to the deeply, the deep core of messaging, of outreach, engagement, of movement building, of purpose, right? Of focus. Like, how can we expect people to, to, to unite around anything? And like I said on my podcast episode, episode from last night it's up on Spreaker um it's called Solidarity with my sisters or something like that I can't remember what I titled it because it's been such a hectic day but um but it, it is up on Spreaker and iTunes I saw it earlier it had actually uploaded on iTunes and Google Play and Stitcher as well um it is so crucial though that we are working on issues that we are focusing on people Parties are a tool and a mechanism that are unnecessary, un unfortunately necessary in this current political system that we have here in the United States of America. How we navigate through those parties and what that exactly looks like, honestly, it's not going to be a quick fix. It was never going to be a quick fix. It's going to be a long strategy. We're not all going to agree about it. We're going to have a long haul. However, there are these issues. There are people's lives who are on the line. There are things that are coming down, like, you know, the ACA um, Brandon has an awesome tweet, which I'm going to show in a few minutes about the, the ACA. It's called like the world's best health. Like it's, these people are such children. They're not, I mean, they're just buffoons. Like it's really bad. So we really do need to be building and engaging people so that we can turn around and not just turn around and put, you know, some person who's blue and slightly better to just do, 
um, something different. We need to have real change happening, right, at all levels of government. And we're all saying that. But how many of us are actually getting involved and talking to our neighbors, to our family members? You know, we just had elections in L.A. and St. Louis yesterday for mayor and turnout was very low. These are primary elections, but still we know primaries matter. So we really want to get candidates. We really want candidates that are going to be of the 99% who are going to push our agendas, who are going to represent the core of the people, right? We got to get people out to vote. We got to get people not just, we, we, and it's not just like, oh, Lord, people out to vote. People got to have a, a sense of urgency and a sense of, uh, of, of, of ownership in the process and what you're trying to build and create. And that's something I think Stacey and I are going to get into when she comes on a little bit. So, so International Women's Day, you know, like I said, so much going on. So what I wanted to do, because like I said, because I have a podcast, there are tons of articles in the podcast. I list a whole bunch of articles folks can check out and stuff. Um, but I wanted to just give shout outs is what I wanted to do. Um, today was the strike as well. Well, people don't, a lot of people don't realize because they just look at the Women's March website. Um, you know, there was International Women's Strike USA, which um, was is grounded more in the feminists of the 99%, it's a part of the international movement itself. And they had a much longer list of issues and points and ways to engage. So it wasn't supposed to be a quote unquote day off, right? People had strikes and did rallies and instances that happened actually out in New York with the women's four, the four women's March um, co-chairs were actually arrested earlier today at their rally. There are some reports from what I saw from friends on Facebook that they were actually instigators from another group that infiltrated their protests, diverted people off away. Some hijinks. So this is the other thing we need to worry about, right? When these different things happening, even on the left, whether they're truly on the left or they've been sent in as paid agitators, we are seeing these things. So we have to get smarter about how we're planning and engaging. Because if you have those large, it's great to have these large bigger than ever rallies, but you need to understand how to control, how to flow and how to communicate even across a thousand people, 10,000 people, what needs to happen next in a very effective and clear manner that creates the ultimate optimum goal and has the impact necessary and doesn't leave leadership, doesn't leave organizers exposed like what happened today. Um, so like what I wanted to do, like I said, so, so, so today I looked at today as like Martin Luther King Day, as a day on, because it made no sense to to strike from the show tonight because I'd miss out sharing wonderful information, shouting out good people and being with you all. Right. Because the idea is to address and attack certain issues to lift up women. That's what my show does every week. Right. So, well, well I try to as much as possible through everything I do. And with my actual job job, you know, I recognize the fact that I wasn't in a position to. But I, I, I appreciate the ideas. I appreciate the understanding. And so I'm actually in black tonight. I'm not in red. I'm in black. I, I said I was going to wear my red Bernie hindsight 2020 shirt in solidarity, but I'm in black wearing because black is the, was the international solidarity color. Red was the U.S. color. Black was the international color. I'm rocking with my sisters. Like I said, 55 countries nationwide. And I got on um, my, my petty black feminist. <laughs> it says petty black feminist. Uh, shout out to the Black Joy mixtape. They don't know me, but I know them. They're awesome. Um, they ran these t-shirts, these shirts or whatever. You see, I'm teasing Ben about on Twitter about being his his petty alter ego. Um, yo, and, and again, gotta shout that because I'm quoting the Black Joy mix. This is from the Black Joy mixtape directly. Um, petty is the act of resistance, right? Like, so I mean, it's just, it's just, I'm in such a good mood and I'm su such a good spirits, even though there's tons of crap going on in the world because there are so many beautiful, wonderful people. One shout out to the patrons, gotta give love to the patrons, even though it's International Women's Day, uh, International Women's Strike. I would not be able to be here, one, without my producer, David Grossman, who I shout out to try to, to lift them as much as possible. And then two, my patrons, I have new patrons, Brian, Aaron, and Lauren are my three newest patrons. Thank you so much. Super appreciate it. Ben actually was texting me earlier with some new equipment to start trying to upgrade um, to make sure, because I was listening to a, a recording. I was like, why does my microphone sound like that? So I was asking Ben some tips and stuff. He was like, oh yeah, you should check this out. Equipment is expensive. So th this this helps. This helps pay you know, for, for extras and, and, and tidbits and improving and there are trainings and courses and all types of stuff. So all the stuff in terms of the patron definitely helps. Appreciate you guys lots. 
also want to give a shout out because this is what I wanted to do for my women's for my my segment. I wanted to give a shout out to um I mean first and foremost, I want to be give thanks to my mother, my grandmother, may she rest in peace, and my stepmother, as well as my godmother, the women who raised me, the women who made me who I am, the women who helped me understand that my voice does matter. Right. Then also my daughter, because my daughter is my rock. She's awesome. And my younger sisters. But I, there's some women who Stacey Hopkins is coming on with me in a little bit. But there's Brianna. Um, Brianna works with DFA. Brianna is freaking awesome. She 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 rocks ever since I met her at Roots Camp. Um, Ari also from Wellstone, who I met at Roots Camp. Well, I didn't get to meet Ari at Roots Camp. I saw Ari at Roots Camp, but she's been like really helpful and wonderful and wanting to share and build information. And that's what I really see today being about. So I know there's a lot of conflict and people are just like, well, I don't believe in this. I believe in this and I believe in this. And really, a lot of us are actually saying the same things. We're just not necessarily in agreement on what, you know, we need to be doing action-wise. And that's okay because successful change requires multiple different actions. Collaboratives and collectives, we don't all have to be exactly on the same page on every single thing, but we do need to have some agreements here and there. So that's something that we need to start keep building on. Um, but, you know, Corey Bush, I've lifted up and talked about Corey Bush. Corey Bush, Corey lifts me up and talks about me too. So I'm um, Corey Bush, Kat Bresler with People for Bernie. Kat Bresler is national digital director for, she runs there pretty much along with Brett Bernadelli. She runs all their social media. So Kat doesn't even know I'm doing this, but Kat is awesome, amazing. Second grade teacher, love her dearly. Um, Candace Fortin, another organizer out of New York. Love Candace so much. Candace, you guys might have remembered, was on, but when I did the head of the uh, election, she came on talking about the organization Vote for, for a Choice. Maria Cole, who is um, one of the board members with Impact, basically all our all our board members and ladies who work with me with Impact. Um, uh, 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 like like folks are amazing. There's so many amazing women around me, and I'm just so blessed. Um, Stella Hetherington. Uh, Yamina Rowland, like so many wonderful women who lift me up, keep me going and, 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 and share. They just share who they are. They share with us. They do the work. They go home. They, they take care of the kids and their families and they come back to it another day. Kim let Kim, Kim, another fellow attorney mama. Um, Kim is awesome. So, so I just wanted to, like I said, I want to take a few moments and just shout out some of the women in my life who are freaking phenomenal, who are grinding and working. Um, like Candace, for instance, is helping to do a creative um, writing class for young women at uh, Rikers Island. As you probably remember, I talked about Rikers a little bit last week in terms of the Khalif Browder case. Um, there's a small population of young women that are at, again, like I said before, there are many Khalifs in the system. These are young women and they're working on doing creative writing. And actually, she, they, they are actually collecting... Um, supplies. And so that's something else that I've been trying to do is find out information that we can share about what are, you know, you don't want to strike, you can't strike, that's fine. Can we donate $5? Um, there were some folks who were talking about, you know, we need to support trans women collectors, particularly trans women of color. Absolutely. We need to be sharing that information. So that's what I'd rather spend my time and energy doing, helping to inform, educate, and uplift. Um, and of course, you already, y'all know me, I will call it out when it needs to be called out. But at the same time, that's that's what I think, you know, gives me motivation and where my um, niche is in the world at this moment. Um, and I also wanted to give a shout out to the establishment. No, not near Tandon's establishment. There's a good establishment. You didn't know this, did you? There is a good establishment. Um, the establishment is a online, excuse me, news outlet. Um that I saw, and I've read the establishment. I've actually considered submitting a piece to the establishment. And um, this was very, very interesting. So someone sent this to me today. It's a, you know, they're a, collect they're a collective of writers, um, people who are focusing on, you know, uh, 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 you know, issues that matter, particularly to women of color and marginalized populations and stuff. I mean, really critical, great stuff. You've probably seen ep uh, articles from the establishment and didn't even realize it. Um, you know, essays, firsthand accounts, just all types of stuff. So I tweet out an article. I'll, I'll share it again because they they basically were talking about the funding issues that they're having. And we all know, you know, we all talk about, oh, we need money out of politics. We need money out of this. We need money. Money's bad. Money's bad. However, unfortunately, in the current system of American capitalism, money makes the world 
money makes the world go round and we all need money to exist, right? Like we can't eat, my kids can't eat air. Their kids can't eat air. So I really appreciate the fact that we do have outlets and we do have people like the establishment. Um, and it's, and of course the name is ironic, right? But we do have organizations and, and other outlets outside of the Progressive Army, like, you know, your support of myself, Ben, um, the whole entire team of writers and stuff that we have, it, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. But, you know, at least share. If you can't spare another $3 or $5 or something for another organization like the establishment, at least can you share the information? Because really, if we can get, if we can start getting, you know, these independent media outlets funded, I mean, because this is how we have our, 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 our other outlets, right? This is how we're not slaves to mainstream media. This is how we have truth and information and free thought, right? So, yeah. So that's what, that's just what I wanted to do in terms of, um, International Women's Day, International Women's Strike. Like I said, I have a podcast up that I go into a lot more detail about the International Women's Strike and my thoughts about everything that's been going on. I also have a piece that I've written. Both have several links and stuff, so you can check those out. But I really wanted to spend to spend my time while I was waiting for Stacey to come to lift up good work being done by good people. Um, you know, there, there, there. There's just so there's so much going on. There's so much going on. There's so many people. Um, definitely check out the Ferguson, what's it called? The Ferguson Action, not Ferguson Action Network. Ooh, I can't remember. There is a calendar of events and activities and stuff that came out of Ferguson that is actually still being maintained, which I, I was not aware. Um, there are organizations like Black Girls Code. And yes, being an older Black woman, being a Black girl myself, I'm going to tend to shout out things that speak to me and mine. Definitely look for things that speak to you and yours and share. We can swap and all help build everyone and be awesome. There's also the Blackout Collective. Um, yeah, but there was also a really good piece, I thought, in, in Jacobin Magazine earlier today, too. Well, that's just, just, just before I get off the topic. This one I do not I did not have a link to because I saw this much later today. Um, and it basically talks about how the women's strike is a rebuke against corporate feminism. And, you know, we can get in our silos of, of activism and organizing. And we saw this during the Bernie campaign, right? They would accuse us of being privileged or whatever, when really we were talking about the issues that actually spoke to the people on the block that are struggling the most. The problem is with, 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 with messaging and access, right? We need to make sure that we're getting our messaging, our wording, opportunity for actually being leaders within these movements out to people. It has to be digestible, understandable, and we have to make it possible for people to engage and get involved. So I just thought that was a really interesting piece. Like I said, that was in today's Jacobin magazine. Um, so other things that are happening going on today, um, it's not going on today, but this is kind of like waiting in the wings, right? Uh, so, so the ACA, <laughs> this is, well, this is why I'll talk about this because this is funny. Um, the ACA, hilarious. And Brandon is on a little roll. I don't know if you guys saw how he was trolling um, um, my dearest friend, Sally Albright joke. Um, but the ACA, so the ACA is called um, World's Greatest Healthcare Plan of 2017, as it has been proposed, or at least there's a version of, not the ACA, but the replacement bill for the ACA. Um, it's, it's world's greatest healthcare plan of 2017. And Brandon has a great series of photos that he put together. Um, and that picture of, of the guy looking like, hmm, yeah, really, uh, that is, that is one of, that is one of the characters from the movie Get Out, which I still have to do a short something about Get Out. Cause I'm probably like one of only five people in America who did not really care for the movie, but it made for great memes and stills and jokes and references. Um, one of them the other day, uh, 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 Jordan Peele actually, after the, the Ben Carson comments actually tweeted out that Ben Carson is in that sunken place. Like he had, he had, uh, he had, a uh, 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 45 leaning in. It's like, now you're in a sunken place. The sunken place. Sorry, it's a spoiler. I'm going to tell you the sunken place is like in the recesses of your mind where you're sent to, where you cannot escape from, um, where a new consciousness then emerges to take place of yours. So so yeah, so that was pretty funny. Kudos to Brandon because Brandon's freaking hilarious and also so poignant. Check out Brandon's piece also, by the way, um, about basically unity being for suckers. 
And it's not that being united is not good, but the, the, the unity that's being offered to us by mainstream Democrats is not anything that's going to help us grow and be better. In fact, um, from earlier today, Nira and other folks are like, oh, forget the, the forget the grassroots donors. We need our own version of CPAC. Yeah. Give the people who lost bigly even more money and attention. That makes totally awesome sense. <sighs> whatever, 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 whatever. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. So, we also had... Um, we also had uh, 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 coming up Neil Gorsuch. I know I kept calling him Glockenspiel and stuff, right? Neil Gorsuch is actually going to, um, you know, he's going to have to answer questions. Um, he's going to have to go through the whole process. He has not, you know, gone through his confirmation. We're still sitting there with eight judges in the court, which is really interesting because this week we saw the Gavin Grimm case. That is the quote unquote transgender bathroom case. Gavin Grimm is the young man um, from Virginia uh, who, who, was entitled was at one point was allowed to use the bathroom and then the school they rescinded and then you know went all the way through the court system and ultimately what the supreme court did in that case was the supreme court kicked it back they they not only remanded it they vacated the lower court's decision so they vacated the fourth circuit court of appeals decision and they um you know, said it needs to go back and review the new guidance that's come out from the Trump administration. And part of what the explanation I read was the fact that actually, and even though like the first time, because it kept going, it went back and forth in terms of like the en banc panel, which is only like a three band. It's not the full, it's not the full panel of the circuit court. It's only, I think, I think en banc means, so I think it's only three judges sit and decide or something. I, I forget exactly what the, what the numbers are. Um, but they, but they, they, that, you know, it went back and forth. And so finally, by then, the guidance had come down from the Obama administration about Title IX and from the DOJ and Department of Education, it issued joint guidance about um, enforcement of, 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 of protection of rights of transgender students in schools. Um, and it was based on Title IX protections, right? Title, Title IX protects against um, discrimination on the basis of gender. Um and they, you know, they, they, the argument was that this is considered, this would be the first test case, you know, for this at, for the Supreme Court to resolve whether or not this is in fact a federally protected civil right. Um, so instead of addressing it, um, because as you know, like we've been seeing this with the eight courts. So if it was four, four split, the circuit court decision would stand, which means in the fourth circuit, you know, the decision of the fourth circuit, which overruled the school board and sided with Gavin Grimm, that would have been law in the fourth circuit only, though. What's interesting about this case is that the fourth circuit is also holds it's West Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, and um, Virginia, Maryland. I think Maryland's in the fourth circuit, too. I can't, again, can't remember off the top of my head. See, this is why I need to stop trying to rattle off facts and then be like, ooh, wait, am I right? Am I right? Anyway, but the, the, I believe those are the states that make up the fourth circuit. I think it's Maryland, West Virginia, Virginia, um, South Carolina, North Carolina, I believe are the, are, are the, the, the fourth circuit states. But anyway, what, what I do know for certain is that a decision by the fourth circuit that affects Virginia would also affect, as it's turning on federal law, would also affect North Carolina. And North Carolina, as we all know, we've heard tons of times, has the infamous quote unquote bathroom bill, right? Because this is also part of how the federal government was threatening to withhold money from North Carolina, right? Um, so a decision, if, if the court had been split, the Supreme Court had actually heard the case and they had been split because they already decided they agreed to hear it and then they, they, they decided to kick it back. So, you know, that would have also applied to that decision, though, if it kicked it back to the circuit court, that then would apply to North Carolina um, and would, 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 base, would overrule that law. Um, so now it goes back for further consideration of the new guidance from, from, the, from the Trump administration. And one of the things that, was, that I thought was peculiar about this is that ultimately, regardless of which, which administration's guidance was quote unquote relied upon or whatever, ultimately the issue turns on a matter of law, a federal law that needs to be decided and, and resolved by the Supreme Court. So it, so I don't know if, they're stall, if there was an attempt to stall because they need a full 
they want to have a full nine justices for this issue since this will be the first time it's it's addressed at the at the national level like this or if there was a real genuine you know desire to see if it can be flushed out but again whatever happens in the fourth circuit it could be you know it could it could lend to language that could be instrumental for other cases elsewhere but it would only apply to those states that i named it wouldn't apply nationally until there's actually Either the DOJ says so or the Supreme Court weighed in. Um, so, so the Gorsuch, you know, waiting to see how that's going to happen. And it's also going to be interesting because we've seen this whole, you know, Democrats are all going home, resist, resist, resist. Don't let anything happen. It's going to be interesting to see how forcefully, because we just saw how easily they rolled over for Tillerson, for, um, not for Tillerson, for, uh, well, for Tillerson too, but for, for uh, Ben Carson. I don't know how I can confuse him. <laughs> Because they're all idiots, I guess. But um, but it's going to be interesting to see how much pushback Gorsuch actually gets during his confirmation process. Um, what actually happens? What comes up? I mean, it seems like this has been a while. But I, you know, we waited a year, and um, Garland never got his process. So what's a few months? Um, so I know people are just like, you know, from what I was reading, that folks were just like, you know, they want Democrats to put up a real, you know, a huge fight over this. Supreme Court is definitely important, is definitely valuable, but at the same time, I'm not really, not that it's not something they shouldn't fight over, but at the same time, seeing how they did with other confirmations, I don't really see how. But what's different about the Supreme Court pick, right, that actually needs the 60. It's not just a simple majority, unless unless the Republicans in, in, in the Senate decide to go for the nuclear option, which could always happen. So that was that's Gorsuch. So the other thing that I thought was really interesting to talk about, and Stacey was, I'm not sure what's going on, but um, hopefully Stacey Hopkins will be able to join us. And if not, you know, hey, you know, I can talk on and on and on. I remember back in the day, you just covered do two hours for Ben. Um, but let's talk a little bit about mayoral elections, political engagement. Um, and we saw this again, like I said, in, in, in LA and in St. Louis. And um, St. Louis, the turnout was 26%, um, which is low. And unfortunately, uh, on, you know, I mean, people talk about, oh, identity politics, oh, this, that, no, da, 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 da. No, there, there are real issues that have to be addressed. We can't just completely dismiss the idea of identity, race, gender, class, sexuality, sexual orientation, things like that. We can't just dismiss those things and how they interface with the way we engage in the political process, the way we engage with other people. I mean, no, they should not be relied upon as the deciding factor of who to support. But a situation arose in St. Louis, which is very interesting, you had by far the most talented, capable, and qualified candidate, Black woman who was, who was uh, endorsed by DFA. Three Black men were in the race. One of them was only was only like at one percent or something like that, and refused to drop out. She lost by one point six percent of the vote. She lost by eight hundred and eighty votes approximately, right? Um, so there are a couple of different lessons here. But but if we're really talking about changing the narrative, and and we talk about there was a piece I read earlier, um, and it was talking about how you know St. Louis it was ground zero for the modern you know what we're seeing as like the modern Black Power movement basically, for lack of a better phrasing, right? Um, we look at St. Louis, look at Ferguson, you know, I mean, just right there, that that is the epicenter of so much of the movement for Black lives and the activity that we're seeing. And for the community to not be able to pull together, because you, what, the person that emerges victorious is someone that's still very pro-police, um, who is very pro the existing racist establishment, um, and is not necessarily in the best, you know, there's a, there is a, St. Louis is predominantly black. I think it's 60% black, maybe. Um, it's, it's, it's just, there's just so much going on here. And you had three people, Antonio French was one of them who stayed in the race that they, they should have, they should have. And it's not that here's what I'm gonna say, right? It's not that I don't believe that people should not run if they want to run. Of course, run. But when there's a situation where there is a candidate, Tashard, absolutely phenomenal, progressive, 
um, well-respected, like this is this is this chick should have been sh- sh- yo mayor should have happened. I'm mean, again, this was just the primary, but but not to say that other folks, you know, if you've had any exchange with Antonio French on Twitter or observed him, he's somebody who needs to sit his ass the hell down some damn place, right? Um, I don't know the, anything about the other two gentlemen, but you know, from everything I've been reading and heard from people, they paled in comparison, and yet. On some level, the hubris, and we've seen this from other people, you know, being more of the establishment breed of candidate, people refuse to stand down and do not want to yield to a candidate of the people. But when a candidate of the people arises, again, you know, you want to get out there and you, I mean, not to say that we should go to people and say, you can't run for office. I never think that should happen. But at the same time, a conversation should happen about what is in the best interest of our people politically. What is in the best interest? If you have a seven-way seven way race for mayor, I think it was. We're seeing the same thing here in a sixth congressional district race. It's a, I think it's that a 17, 16 or 17 people running for that. It's, it's a jungle primary, they call it. If you have a seven-way race, I mean, you're going to split the margins and you could potentially knock out a very good candidate. And that's what ultimately happened. The low voter turnout also does not help. And part of the problem is you do have a very well-organized machine in a lot of our communities and cities that no matter how great and wonderful a candidate could be for the city overall, you know, people are willing to tolerate a little corruption as long as they don't touch their pockets. Um, if you hit in their pockets, you know, so that, that, that might be a problem. But, um, but yeah, so... So that was a very unfortunate experience, I guess, to witness. I like I just I just posted and it's so crazy. I just posted on my page about how, you know, I just saw that Democracy for America had endorsed Chokwe Lumumba, Chokwe Antar Lumumba, who was the son of Chokwe Lumumba Sr., who was a radical black power activist, attorney out of Jackson, Mississippi, founder, leader in the Black Homex Grassroots Movement, Cooperative Jackson, really awesome person, was also mayor previously, and his son is now running for mayor. A big choke passed away a couple of years ago. And so to see that DFA, you know, was, was because these are Fannie Lou Hamer style Democrats, right? Um, like, I think, and I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Big Choke was, and I assume, I think Lil Choke, I shouldn't even call that man Lil Choke. Chokwe Jr., I'm Chokwe Antar. I do believe that he was also um, registered Democrat. Um, Fannie Lou Hamer style, if you don't know anything about the Freedom Democratic Party, like definitely the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party, look it up. Uh, you know, back when I talked with um, Baba uh, Akiele, Professor Akiele Emoja, about his book, uh, We Will Shoot Back, he was talking about, you know, looking at Mississippi, looking at, you know, black self-defense and gun ownership, as well as part of that looked at the Mississippi um, Freedom Democratic Party and that whole process there. So, I got really excited because actually my email froze and I was like, oh my God, does this say Jackson, Mississippi? I said, tell me, I Brianna, who I shot out earlier, I said, Brianna, did they just endorse Chokwe? And that was just one of, and we, we talk about revolution. People talk about co-opting language, like to see an organization like DFA get behind someone that is really actually about transformational change that is really out there in the community grinding with the people. I'll share some video, a great video I saw of him speaking, um, some a little a little while back, like that. That is that. That just made. That, I was like, wow, y'all got some good staff because I already know staff. Staff has to be getting in people's ears about how they got to get real. We can't have all this pseudo wokeness happening no more. We got to get real. And we got to have real people representing, doing good work. You know, Char, she she was another person. I was like, wow, like this this is inspiring. And so it it was sad to see her lose by such a close margin particularly to someone who really needs to not be in office. So we got to be strategic with what we're doing, right? Um, and again, like I said, you know, you know, we, we, we've experienced candidates being told they shouldn't run or it's not this or it's not that. But usually it's not the case that it's the really good candidate that's getting kicked out of the race. Ultimately, usually it's the really good candidate. Or no, it's, it's usually it's not the really good candidate who's being um, told, you know, protected. We usually have 
crappy candidates by the establishment, <laughs> Hillary Clinton, um, we have usually have crappy candidates by the establishment that are being propped up and held up because they fit a particular narrative and agenda. We got to start having a movement, an electoral process, organizing effort that is about the people. And no, not just knocking on doors and getting people to, to call about issues. We got to really engage and educate people on the issues that matter where they are, supermarkets, churches, whatever the case may be, and, and, and help make that possible. Um, so, yeah, so that that was that was what I thought was interesting coming out. of. I mean, there's so much more. Hopefully I'll be able to reach out to folks and get some more information and feedback and next steps and thoughts, because that's what's been so beautiful about getting to know folks out in St. Louis and in and, and, and Ferguson is that people have been grinding. Right. You know, Michael Brown passed, things passed, but we're going on four years, I believe it is. And people are still grinding and organizing and building. And it takes time. Folks are playing a long game and building up. And I don't know if and when Corey's going to run for office again, but when and if she does, you best believe Noah is definitely going to be on Team Corey all the way 100%. And yes, I love the fact that she's a proud, beautiful, wonderful black woman. But at the same time, she's competent. She's capable. She's loyal. She's community and people oriented first. And she's a, just a damn good person. The fact that she's a black woman makes it icing on the cake for me. So I'm, I'm willing to hold up and support anyone. And I know there are some of you out there who are running for office and, and, and engaging and stuff. Um, shoot me an email. Not, I can't promise to interview everyone who asks, but at the same time, we can try. Um, yeah, so in, so similarly in, in, in L.A., um, there was low turnout. And, and I mean, that's the downside. This, that's something that we have to combat. It's not just enough to have a really good platform and a really good candidate. We got to be able to have the enthusiasm and the engagement. This is what it's so funny. I'm talking about this, right? This is also a year ago today. Bernie knocked Nate Silver and everybody else on their butts by winning Michigan. Remember, it was a 99% chance that Hillary Clinton would win Michigan and Bernie won instead. He broke the model that night. And everybody was like, yeah, look what Bernie did. And I challenged folks to look back at these victories, these awesome moments, and realize, look at what we did. Look at what organizers and grassroots activists in Michigan did because that their models and stuff did not account for the enthusiasm did not count for the people who are pounding the pavement dropping off literature talking to people on their way to work driving people to the polls it did not account for the the, the, the respect and the dialogue that happened with muslim and arab americans in michigan in dearborn when you had, I think, I can't remember the name of the newspaper, but it's like the largest Arab American newspaper in the country endorsing, <laughs> endorsing an old Jewish man. Like everybody was like, whoa, but that's because he spoke to them, his politics, his policies, his stance on things, while maybe not as progressive or where people think they should have been, was still much farther than a Democratic candidate had been up until that point. Right. And, but, 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 but how that information actually got to people, why people actually turned out the way they did and how he was able to win was the enthusiasm factor, was the engagement, was really getting on the ground and doing what needed to be done and leading in a way that can only happen from the bottom up. It cannot happen from your political consultants. It cannot happen from the think tanks that rate organizations to see how much money they're worth before they go out there and do action. It's not going to happen just knocking on doors. It's not going to happen on your Saturday ACLU movement schools, maybe that ultimately could lead to something. And this is not to throw salt on anybody else's stuff. This is to say that we have to be engaging our communities. We have to demand that these people engage in our communities. That, that, that's just the most basic thing that has happened because that's where I am on this International Women's Day. That's where I am in terms of striking and standing up for the 99% because the feminism of the 99% is not just about the women of the 99%. Feminism of the 99% is about all of us because I can't be free if you're not free, right? Like what, what does my liberation mean if you're not liberated along with me, I mean, fine. They don't got the boot on my neck today. That don't mean it won't be on my neck tomorrow or the next day or next week. So, yeah, I mean, I'm feeling, I'm feeling froggy. <laughs> 
I worked a I worked an eleven hour day today. Um, my dad is doing well. My dad's in the hospital. My dad's doing well, but I'm feeling froggy. I'm feeling motivated. And y- y'all, like I I know I talk and I get preaching stuff sometimes, and I'm I'm edu- I'm 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 fed up. I'm tired, but I'm motivated. And I'm motivated in part because so many of you engage and get active and we're bringing you bring more and more people to the show all the time. And I appreciate that and value you so much. I value the opportunity to build. You know, I got asked to speak at a rally in Tucson for May Day today. Like, I don't know that I can actually do that. But just the sheer fact that somebody who I don't actually know will have to, you know, vet everything, of course. But no, seriously, though, right? There's an organization that is organizing a massive rally for May Day out in Tucson, and I got asked to speak at their rally. This is what I'm talking about. And I wish that I could just organize and stuff and engage full time. I know so many of us wish we could, but we just got to figure out how to work smarter, how to, we got to share tools and share resources and docs and language and messaging. We got to figure out, oh, I had a conversation with my with my relatives this weekend at the barbecue. Did it? Oh, how'd that go? Well, this is, you know, I work this way. So maybe you want to try this. I mean, even something as simple as that, right? We got to be willing to figure out how to meet our friends and family. And I know people hate that statement. We can bring them along with us, but sometimes you gotta you gotta crawl before you can walk, right? You gotta you gotta use the little floaty thing before you 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 swimming and treading water and stuff. We, we, baby steps. And, and so it's a long haul. We're not gonna have some magnificent revolution overnight. You know, if we really about revolution and we're really about revolutionary change, um, and 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 even this was even if Bernie would have won, even if Bernie did win, we'd still be having this conversation about long game, about staying the course. And I mean, if you need to tap out for a little bit and and, and I know I got to I just got to I got to I got to go and just just be a regular, regular person out. of you know, That's OK. We, 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 we can work on that because we need people to be fortified. We need people to be strong all the way through um, to the finish line. Uh, and what exactly that looks like, I don't know. I honestly don't even know sometimes that if the quote unquote success will actually come in my lifetime. I wonder. I think we'll have improvements. Um, but I, I would really like to see all of us leave something, something to the next generation, my kids and their kids, that is an improvement upon what we were handed. I would like to see us give them better strategies, tools, and, and opportunities. Right. I mean, I'm sure many of our parents wanted the same things. Whether or not they successfully did that is a whole other story, but there are lessons to be learned. So I just thought it was really interesting because I did see posts about, yay, Bernie won Michigan. Remember when Bernie won? I do. And and shout out to Taylor, young Taylor from, from, from the Bernie campaign is from Michigan and, and Taylor grinding hard. Um, and shout out to my girl, Brianna, Brianna Cartwright, another Brianna, another Brianna. Both of these young women work with me with Impact. Um, Brianna was a, worked with Hillary's campaign down in Florida. And no, I'm not going to boo and hiss her for doing that. She did what she believed in. I respect that. Um, but she's a labor organizer, hard worker. Um, both of them, both of them, hard workers, very bright young women. I'm looking forward to seeing what they're doing, you know, in their futures. And I, I appreciate working with them so much. But looking and listening to them and how they grind it. I mean, really, you have these field staffers, these field organizers who are out there with these campaigns who are engaging. They're the ones building the relationships. They're the ones laying the groundwork. And whether or not the senior staff or the political consultants, whoever, come in and choose to listen is a whole nother story. But they try, no matter what, because they've already built the bonds. You know, they've put down roots already in those communities and they're focused and working to make sure that, you know, we get out the vote. But we need to do more to just get out the vote. We need to make sure that we have actual infrastructure in place that has something more in terms of community engagement going forward. Because beyond voting, we need accountability. We need engagement, right? Um, and I do really think that we need to have like a civic engagement corps. I really do do think that we need to have like field organizers of the movement, right? And I know it's hard because we don't, again, funding, paying people to do work, it, it's really, it gets really weird and touchy, but we need to kind of get in that mentality and start thinking of ourselves as as being out in the field organizing. You know, even if you're at the social, you know, and there's some issue that's pending before your city council or school board or something like that, talk to the people around you. 
You know, if there's a position that you think is very valuable and important, you vetted it, research it, get it out there, talk to the people around you. Because, I mean, really, the people in your in your circle, in theory, that could be the best squad you ever had. Maybe you have to build a squad. I mean, who has a squad out there? If you don't, I mean, a cyber squad is really cool, too, because I know I know there are those of us who can't really physically get out for various reasons either. Right. That's fine. We just got to work for those who can. We just got to work better and making sure the digital and the groundwork is actually coordinated and working and moving along together. So that's really like what I have for tonight. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I'll have to try and get Stacy again. I'm sure something probably came up. Um, you know, things be moving fast when you out there making it rain. You know, Stacy's always out there leading the charge. <laughs> Helping somebody, sharing good work, mentoring, and doing doing it the way it needs to be done. So I'm going to close out with an Angela Davis quote. Angela Davis was also one of the organizers of the U.S. version of the International March. Um, and I'm going to try not to use one that's like cheesy that everyone always uses. Um, the one about accepting things that you cannot change. It's not that it's cheesy, but... Yeah, so one of the things I want everybody to do, if you can, it's not necessarily going to be the nicest, most pleasant thing to do, is yes, this is International Women's Day. Um, you know, women are one of the fastest growing, I think our women are the fastest growing population in, in prisons, I think I just read today. Um, there are so many issues in terms of for the prison, the criminal justice system and the prison industrial complex. I really encourage folks to watch part two of the Khalif Browder docuseries on Spike TV tonight. I think um, I think it's starting at either nine or 10. So I'm, I'm not sure there's going to be a town hall with his family actually happening. And Jay-Z, uh, Mark Lamont Hill actually had did a Q&A last week. I will be live tweeting from the Impact account, Impact, M-P-A-C-T-U-S on Twitter tonight. Um, during that, so but 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 my end quote is: prisons do not disappear social problems; they disappear human beings, homelessness, unemployment, drug addiction, mental illness, and illiteracy are only a few of the problems that disappear from public view when the human beings contending with them are relegated to cages. And we're seeing so much of that. You know, folks are talking about how you know uh, 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 what's the idiot's name that talks about an iPhone and healthcare. I, I can't, like I said, he's an idiot. Um, and people who want it, who want Evan McMullen, who Democrats who want to work for Evan McMullen, another idiot to run against him are also idiots too. It's enough to go around guys. But, 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 but this statement, you know, yes, there are issues and no, I don't think that people necessarily that anybody and everybody who's done anything needs to just be roaming around free. We do need to talk about what that would look like in terms of dismantling the prison industrial complex. But at the same time, People and issues are where we need to be focused on. We need to stop treating people and their issues as if they're just problems to be shelved away someplace. And that's where I'm at for tonight. So I appreciate you guys very much. Again, thank you to the patrons. Shout out to the wonderful women in my life who hold me down all the time. Um, even Trudeau's wife, who stupidly made a post about holding up her husband and other men in her life on International Women's Day, which made no damn sense. But hey, do you, boo? Um, uh, my feminism is still going to look out for you and yours. Um, and I'm not even really a feminist. I just really identify with the underlying underpinnings. I don't like labels. I hate labels, which is why I love being an unaffiliated independent voter. But anyway, this has been The Way with the Noah. I'm babbling now. <laughs> Love you guys all very much. Stay woke. Peace.